So last weekend, 21 units out, 32 units in, not bad. Yeah, it was a good day. Another good day out. We had a couple of good winning bets there. Obviously, we had the, the big odds with militarised there in the Golden Rose. That was an enormous run. I think he'll go on to win that Caulfield Guineas, probably from Steppity. Um, we had those two each-way plays in the last there at Rose Hill with Rainbill and Kimberly Secrets, both running second and third respectively at pretty good price or uh, place odds as well for 340 and 370. Um, first Immortal was enormous in that for, I think it was the second race at, at Caulfield. Correct. And the big weight. So I think it's going to drop from that 63 and a half kilos there at Caulfield to 50 kilos in the Caulfield Cup, which is wow. ridiculous. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who takes the ride because obviously Hugh can't ride 50 kilos. So see who's there, but I think the horse, if you look at the figure that it put up, um, considering the circumstances, I think it's a it's a it's a proper chance in that race, particularly with that lightweight. Mm. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, so just keep an eye on that. I don't think you're gonna get a price about it in the futures markets now, purely for the fact that everyone saw that four length win on the weekend. But just keep an eye on it. It'll probably drift come race day, um, is when your big syndicates kind of get involved. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, something carrying 50 kilos, why not? Exactly. And then we had Amenable, which was pretty poor, I think. I think the ride wasn't great. It had to take it out the back. It uh, fanned out wide but just didn't run on. So yeah. I'm not sure whether that means something for the Turak, which I think is the horse, uh, sorry, the race that the horse is being aimed at. But we'll touch on that when we touch on sand down on, the, on Sunday later. And see whether you you want to be in a Metables core, did you want to be in Antino's uh, corner for that race? Because I think it's between those two, and just a matter of whether that Amenable is still um, up and probably in form, and whether it's just a forgive run for that. Jeez, I hope I've got a little bit of money left come Sunday. Well, I'm waiting for that grand final to start, because I'd like to be getting on the ponies. Oh yeah, we've got a couple on scene now. I've got. Oh, we'll talk about those. Lovely. Yeah, just fill the afternoon in while um while the other what whether the, the SG ball and the and the women's finals are on. Yeah, a few beers, a few ponies, roll into the grand final. Beautiful. Uh now I just wanted to talk about without a fight now any any sort of better ride on it and at the very least places, I think. I agree. And I'm I'm just so surprised. Like I think he drew barrier nine, I think it was. I just don't know how he ended up on the rails. That's what I just don't get. Yeah. Ended up on the rails and then Zara had to try and get clear air, which obviously held up the horse, and then he absolutely rocketed through to the line. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. He could have potentially followed Dewis down up the rails there, and Dewis finished off really nicely in that race to get third. He could have gone up there. Like, it was just a really weird ride from Zara, and usually he's Mr. Reliable when it comes to – to those horses and those big races, I think uh, I think all he could do, like I think he's like too he he knows he's he's probably just got to get it out to the outside and get it in clear air. 
which is all he could do at that point. But it wasn't. It, uh, it, he'd already f- he'd fucked it by the time it was. It got to that point, and he had to make that decision. You know, he was just too far gone. Exactly, like he was way too far back. And if you go back and look at those sectionals, him, Sulkham, nonconformist were all great, and Dewis obviously were all great in that race. But I think they were entitled to finish really fast because of the tempo that Damien alligator blood. I can't well, remember. I, I wasn't quite too focused on alligator blood because I was just sitting there, just dreading the spot that without a fight was in. But I know I've seen it from that barrier. Yeah. Did he? Um. Did he have it pretty easy up front? Oh well. He, if you look at it, he didn't lead. He kind of sat off that speed, and it was. One of those one in a hundred rides where Damien Oliver is back to his best. Yeah. Where he just sat off the speed, he judged the pace perfectly, took over the lead at the right point, and then the gap back to those fast finishing horses who were back in the field was just too large for them to close. Like, yeah, watch that. I don't think Alligator Blood will be effective over 2,000 metres, but he's certainly good at the 1,800 metres because he's won that race now two in a row. Yeah. But without a fight and all those, like, those good horses that probably are the 2,000, 2,000 metres were finishing off really strongly. Yeah, I've got to mention, I um, had a $30 multi on, and mm-hmm. it, it with, without a fight, not placing was the only leg that went down, and it was paying $2,600. Oh, my God. Who uh, were the other legs? Uh, Stepardi to win. Yeah, it was enormous. Um, I had, without a fight, place. I had Brisbane Lions by the line. Negative 18. I had yeah. Brisbane Broncos outright. I had one more horse in there. I can't remember who it is now. Uh, uh, did you chuck razors in there? Was it Floating Artist? Did Floating Artist win? No, didn't win. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Did you have First Immortal in there? No, fuck. I can't remember now who it was. I think it was like a $3 winner or something. Like I, I can't remember, but it was, yeah. Three or four dollar winner or something like that. I don't oh, know. No, nah, wasn't any of them. I don't know. It's it's left me now. But but the moral is, Zara fucked me, big time. Yeah, big time. Okay. <laughs> um. But anyway, let's move on. So sunshine in Paris and Giga kick both injured. Yeah, interesting. So the vets went round and inspected sunshine in Paris. Uh, minor injury, so nothing crazy. So no see, um, <coughs> sorry, career threatening or anything like that. But yeah, she's out. Uh, Giga kicks out now, so <coughs> I'm not sure where that leaves those remaining slots. But I know that Cylinder has been taken by James Harron's slot, which I think was Giga kicks, and then In Secrets obviously gone is unofficially the cool the Godolphin slot. Yeah, have I told you before where um, Giga kick what where that name comes from? No. So the Giga Kick is a, uh, there's a Georgian MMA fighter who fights in the UFC now. And his name's yeah. Giga Chikate. Yeah. And he is a was a kickboxer before he got into MMA. And he's got a body kick that he throws called the Giga Kick. You're kidding. So the owners are actually big UFC fans? Or is this... No, well, kick? yeah. Whoever named him is a, must be a massive That's UFC huge. fan because... Name your horse after the Giga Chikate's signature kick is, yeah, that's a big-time UFC dribbler. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, because obviously this size named Scissor Kick, 
So I wonder where I always wondered where Giga came from, but now I know. Yeah, well there you go. Um, but anyway, yeah, we move on. Um, Shinzo, lame. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, excuse me. I thought his the ride on him was pretty poor from Ryan Morm. Obviously, he had his excuses. He didn't get the card in the race. He had the wide barrier, and he, and he came up two out of five lanes. So he had a mild, I think, a mild heel bruise. So he's mildly limping come following the race. Who rates um, the who, who rates the lames? What was that, sorry? Who rates the lames? Two, who gives them two out of five? And who gives a five out of five lame and stuff? It's more the vets. So the vets will do it, and then they'll look at it, and, and they grade it by the severity of the limp from the horse. So he just had a heel bruise, or he had some sort of bruise on his heel or, or foot or something like that. So they read the reports today, and he's he's come up fine. They've just adjusted his shoes at the moment. And, and from all reports, he's still on track for the Everest, and he's likely to take the Coolmore slot. So that leaves two remaining slots free, which will probably be decided after this weekend with the Premier Stakes and the Moyer Stakes on, on Friday night. Okay. Um, osmosis, good win. It was a good win, and it was weird because the horse we when we spoke about it, it was I think it was like two twenty, two thirty favorite, or when I put up the podcast, and then it blew out to three fifty, and I was like, "Well, stop!" But I'm going to take that price, and it pissed it in. But I don't know why it drifted, and I was quite surprised that the big syndicates were against it. Yeah, because yeah. the only other horse that, in my opinion, I thought could win that race was Celestial Legend, and that horse. It's shortened in the market, but nothing that I would suspect as being like a, a big money players kind of got involved. So I don't know. I was quite surprised at that. Now, the figure that the horse put up was not great, like the rating it did. So if you go back and watch those three-year-olds who've won the Everest before, so Giga Kick and Yes, 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 the ratings that those two horses put up um, leading up to the Everest were, <coughs> excuse me, were much higher than what Osmosis put up on the weekend. So as a slot holder, particularly one of knowledge, I wouldn't be dropping um, your slot on Osmosis just off that run particularly. Yeah, okay. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, forgive me for not understanding this at this point, what the fuck is the deal with these slot slot holders for the Everest? So essentially they're just big dick players in racing. They own the slot. They get like it's like a lease on it, and they pay a figure to own that slot. Now they can approach any horse they want to take their slot, and they negotiate with the owners of that particular horse on percentages. So hypothetically, saying that we have Giga Kit, they would say, "All right, well, we'll give you seventy percent of the winnings if you win, and we'll take thirty, depending on things." So they negotiate those things. It's different with Coolmore because. Essentially, they put their own horses in there, so they own the slot and get all the winnings. Wow. So who yeah. who's left? Um, Aquas. They're a really good uh, breeder up here on the Gold Coast. They own yeah. Pierrata. Yeah. They've got one Yulong Investments. You know the Yulongs? Yeah. Yulongs, and I think there's one other. I think Coolmore are the other ones, not confirmed. So there's so, your story. So who do you reckon is still probably going to get might get picked who are the front runners well, I, think, I think shinzo is likely to get the coolmore slot um chris oh chris waller's got a slot as well left now it's funny he he approached amelia's jewel owners and and connections during the week about putting her in the everest wow yeah and they obviously turned it back but um why'd they do so, that why would they not do it 
because she's probably heading towards a Cox Plate. And if you're a racing purist, would you rather win an Everest, or the, are you in it for the money, or are you winning for the prestige? The, of winning money. the money. You're in for the money. Yeah. And so the, I also think I don't like her in, at Mooney Valley. Yeah, we'll touch on that. I'm, I've got a few little concerns. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, so. So Chris Wallace, I think there's talk of him taking Espiona, which I think is the dumbest decision he could possibly do. She's the 1,400-miler. Um, yeah, it's weird. So I don't know who he's going to pick now. Would it, so he have, doesn't have anything, got, anyone from his stable? Well, who would you think? Who's his sprinters at the moment? That would obviously compete. There isn't any. Fangirl? Oh, no, how, she's a, how far she's is a the Everest? Uh, 1,200. Yeah, right. She's a miler. And I think she's being saved for King Charles. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I don't know. So I think I I think if you <coughs> excuse me, you're looking at like um the fields for the premier stakes on the weekend, think about it's already got a, a slot, as does Mazu. So I think you'll be looking at a couple of those horses to seeing how well they perform. And then the more the more because I know Rothy's a tough as tough as old bull horse. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him get a slot or some sort of in my opinion, if I was a slot holder right now, I'd be looking for a horse that's on speed. Because if you go through that field right now that they have, there's not many on speeders in there. You've got Overpass who will likely lead up that field, but who else? Yeah. No one. So I'd be looking for something that's on speed or can sit handy in run. So that's why I'd be looking at horses like Asphora on Friday yeah, night yeah, and, yeah. Un- and Uncommon James. So they can absorb that pressure like, remember that Oakley plate that us four ran, I think, third or fourth in and that Uncommon James won? Yeah. That's a high-pressure 1,100-metre race um, at Caulfield. I think it was right at Sandown, actually, while Caulfield was reno- renovated. But either way, it's a high-pressure race, and both of those horses absorbed it really, really nicely. So I think if those two horses come through Friday night, and even if they knock off Imperatrix, I think those two will certainly be in consideration. And I think Bella Nipotine is another one that would be considered. Yeah, okay. Because oh. she's another good horse. She's very versatile. She's got Amelia Jewel, Quokka form, which seems to be producing just winners left, right, and center. So, yeah. she yeah. ran well last start too. Yeah, and, she's, and she can handle, like, if we get suddenly a downpour of rain or anything like that, well, she's going to be elevated, I guess, her chances because of that. Indeed. Now, Desert Hero, your Melbourne Cup pick's been ruled out. Yeah, I was following Twitter during the week and pretty much William Haggis said, no, we're not taking him out there, which shatters me because I thought he was an absolute ripping chance carrying the lightweight, um, which opens it right up for me. So I'll probably have to start going back to the drawing board in terms of what internationals I'm looking to take or if we're going to take a local. Any uh, any word on what I've got my futures bet on, that Verborn? Um, it's coming out here. I don't know if it's past the vets yet, but I know it's – I'm pretty sure it's a Werribee now. Oh, good. Very good. And it's just got to pass all the standard testing, but I'm, I'm 99% sure you'll be fine, mate. Lovely. Um, uh, what have we got? Pericles, bleed. Yeah, so bleed in track work. So that means a mandatory three-month three ban, I think, it here is in Australia. Uh, it's got to pass the vet test to resume racing. Bleeds again, span for life. Which is sad, yeah. Because I thought the horse was a ripping chance in the in the Epson, and now it's out and it's open and wide up. Yeah. But you know, you got a bloody. What was the other one we had bleed recently? And 
retired um, a while ago, not too long ago. Who was that? It was sad because it was on the up, wasn't it? It was. Oh, I can't remember now. Oh, I can't remember either. That's as they bleed, I just remove them from the black book because I'm like, I'm never going to see them again. <laughs> yeah, uh, that sucks. I wish I could remember who that was. But yeah, I mean, once it happens, it's it's probably. I'm glad they do retire them, uh, to be honest. But it is a shame, especially when they're good, because you you'd love to see them keep going, see what they can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, they can race over in like I think they can race over in the states because they don't have any bands. Oh. So, yeah, <laughs> I prefer them just to retire. Yeah, yeah. Um, now horses to follow. Um. So I'm going to continue on oh, the trend. Like I did. Hang on. Sorry. Um, did you want to yeah. talk? Do you want to talk about uh that yellow brick race? Yeah. So, did you guys did you watch it up at Toowoomba? Man, I missed it by that point. Um, you didn't miss much. So essentially, it was it was a real weird uh, roundabout type situation. <clears throat> so Ben Thompson was the regular rider for Yellow Brick. He got booted off for Jimmy Orman, all right. And then Ben Thompson was the on the horse that ended up pipping um, Yellow Brick oh. on the line. Wow. Which was kind of funny. It was like an eleven dollar shot. So, um, yellow brick uh, from the wide barrier took up the lead, powered up the hill, and it just took a, a horse who probably had a, a more economical run in transit to to pip it literally in the last meter. Wow. Um, Jimmy Orman's actually been booted off yellow brick, and Craig Williams is taking the ride there in the silver eagle, and then eventually the golden eagle. So he's just that's he's just copying hits left, right, and centre, Jimmy Orman, because he got booted off Antino after that run yeah. at Flemington and Blake Shin rides him on Sunday. So I'm feeling for him at the moment. Yeah, poor bastard. Um, now horses to follow. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to continue on the trend like I did last week, where I'm not going to, I guess, black book anything that was a flashing light because it doesn't. Everyone can see when a horse is finishing strongly or has been unlucky. So I've got three that I want to talk about. So the first one is. There's only one at Rose Hill, actually, and that was uh, Lions Raw in race seven. So that was the Shannon Stakes that was won by Cepheus. Yep. Now, the horse opened $33 on the, in the in those early markets, and it ended up starting $8 on the day. So how's that for a push from the big syndicates? Yeah, wow. So someone's known something, and they've just plonked it on that horse. Now, he was starting at – he was over an unsuitable trip because the horse is probably more, I guess, a 1,600-metre, probably more a 2,000-metre horse. So you go back. He was taken back from the wide barrier, and then he came to the outside, and he kind of hit a weird flat spot between the six and the four, but then absolutely rocketed home in that last 200 metres. Now, like I said, he was over an unsuitable trip, and he clocked the days fast as last 200 and 100 metres of the of, of the day, mm. which was enormous. So he was a big price. Now, I don't think with that kind of market support, we're going to get a price about a next start. But I don't think, like, I don't think many people realised how much money actually came for the horse. So I think, look to back him, probably not next up, maybe third up, um, around that 1,800 metres to 2,000 metres, and I think he's going to be a bet. I'm not sure where they go with him. I'm hoping they keep him around the Group 2, Group 3 medal, uh, level and they don't push him to, like, something that's going to be just out of his realm because I think he's a good horse, but I don't think he's a Group 1 horse. Yeah, neither. Um, and Celestial Legend? Yeah, so Celestial Legend, was we touched on that. That was in that race behind um, Osmosis. Uh, the horse was enormous. Had to carry K-Mac, elite sectionals, 
very unlucky. And I think back him up and trip because I think he's going to be better suited with his breeding over around the 1,400 metres to 1,600 metres. Okay, and sub-rising? Now, sub-rising was in the fifth race there at Caulfield, all right? Now, that was the race that we thought that I thought Miracle Love was just going to win, but it ended up being scratched. So the horse was out the back in that run, and I had to loop the entire field. So it was absolutely rocketing through to the line and cop some really good late sectionals over the 400 and 200-metre splits. So I'm thinking keep it, maybe step it up in trip, keep it in that grade, and maybe even a Sandown or even a Flemington if we can. And I think the horse is going to be a really good chance. So it didn't really start in the market, so I think we might get a price about it next start. All right, lovely. And star buyer, last of all. So, yeah, so that was in the first race. So if everyone watched that race, we're shocking over. Craig Williams was really cocky, knew the horse that he had, peeled it out wide, rocketed through line one quite easily. Now, this horse, Drew Barrier 2, uh, with its racing pattern, not ideal because it is a go-back horse. Now, it was written by Tatum Bull. Now, I'm, I am your, like, I'm quite critical of her as a jockey because I feel like she makes some bad decisions and that's why she is an apprentice. But she was very unlucky on this horse um, on the weekend. It was just running up bums down that straight and you could see it was just jogging through the line very untested. So I'd love to see the horse probably stay in a similar sort of grade, get a senior jockey upgrade. Um, and I think it could be a really good uh, roughie for people moving forward. All right, lovely. So let's go to Mooney Valley on Friday. Um, We've got the feature, the Group 1 Moir Stakes. Yeah. Uh, How do you say that again? Oh, I'd say Moir. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. yeah. So what do you got, rails, weather, track conditions? So there's no rain expected in Melbourne over the weekend, which is fantastic for obviously the AFL Grand Final, but also the racing that we're going to go up there on Friday and Sunday. So I think we're going to be racing on a good three, so expect some very, very fast times to happen. Um, the rail's in the true position. So like I said in previous podcasts, just keep an eye on those that rail position because historically this season, that rail, lanes four to five. Now, do you know what I mean when I say lanes four to five? Uh, what, the middle lanes or something? Essentially, think four to five horses wider of uh, wider or outside of that um, of that rail. Yeah, that's what I mean by that. That was the the fast lane where it's been. All right. So when the rail's been in the true lanes four to five, when the rail's been out three to four, maybe even five meters, it's been on the rail bias. So <clears throat> in those first two races, just keep an eye on those because that might be a good indication about where the fast lane is and how horses are going to win for the remainder of the night. All right, sweet. So let's start in race three. Yeah, so the race three. So if we go have a look at race three, it's quite a good It's quite a good bunch of horses there. Yeah. So obviously we can see there that um, you've got Nazim Sahail, who started $6 in the Benedetta King of Sparta um, Star Patrol race. Didn't run great, but it, it, it certainly started well. Does get Zara this time, which is a senior jockey booking. <clears throat> Excuse me again. You've then got calls for concern by Sean Matrick, who's a very good horse, group three runner. Sandpapers resuming, ranting, Zach DeBoss. Matai was very good last week. So you've got a lot of horses there, but the horse that I'm looking at is number seven. Oh, said, a little speed demon of ours. Yeah, so it's a little speed demon of ours. So I think the market's kind of forgotten about the horse because you go back and watch its prep last 
well, its last three runs, last prep, it was racing in listed grade, which is probably above what we've got here. And it was quite unlucky, and you could probably say there was excuses behind that. So you can almost pen last prep. Now, you go back to prep before, it's got a two-and-a-half-length win over Savannah Cloud. Now, Savannah Cloud's been really performing this prep, which is great. I then went back and watched the jump-outs of Iron War leading up to this, and there was a really good one just recently there at Cranbourne. So, excuse me, over the 800 metres, the horse actually has a really, really good first up record. So it's five starts for two wins and a third. It's got a great distance record for nine starts, four wins and a third. And Jamie Mott is actually one from one on the horse. Yeah, I was looking at it straight away. It's drawn the inside pole barrier one, so it's going to do no work to lead. And then if you look at the other leaders in this race, I feel like it's going to lead this relatively easily by itself. Yeah, looks like it. Well, that Najim Suhail they is going to go for the lead they are suggesting in the yeah, speedboat. It's going to have to do a bit of work from Barry Eight. My my suspicions are, and I I like Jamie Mott as a jockey. Mm, I just think at, at thirty five. What's that? What are you getting? What thirty five and about seven bucks the place? Yeah. Just have a have a little bit on the place there, or even obviously you could have a half quarter unit on it on the win, and maybe a, a unit on the place. Like yeah. seven fifty is juicy for a horse that you know where they where it's going to be in run. You know it's run well at Mooney Valley, and you know it's got a good first up record. Yeah, bloody oath, love that. Let's get back on him. Exactly. Now, uh, you didn't have one. That's all you wanted to touch on that one. That's all we want to touch on that one. Yeah. All right, now race six. Now race six. So this is the one with Amelia's jewel. Yeah, okay. The Ladbroke so stock like... stack. Stock stake, sorry. Yeah, so over 1,600 metres. So how I look at this race, it's just like the Metropolitan there at Randwick, which we'll touch on. You're either with Amelia's jewel or you're against Amelia's jewel in this race. Look, I don't think, like, I really don't like her racing pattern for the Valley, but I also look at this field and I don't think there's much to it when it comes to her level. I agree with you. And I think what you're looking at here is you're literally going to be paying a dollar 35 to see if she handles the Valley. She handles the Valley. She's going to piss it in and she's probably in line to be one of the favorites for the Cox plate. The other thing is she doesn't handle it. The track is a good – it's a good force, so it's going to be very quick. And she's left flat-footed with all those speedsters up the front. Yeah, so who we got? Who's the speedsters in this? So the speedsters, there's, there's a few speedsters, but I think Pride of Jenny's going to be one of your speedsters along with Deny Knowledge. Yeah, so Deny Knowledge won that uh, race at the Valley when we were on it a few weekends ago, right? Correct. And, so, yeah, would it beat French I mean, Emperor? The horse then was far from disgraced in that thin, which was won by pinstripes with attrition and pounding, finishing off really, really nicely, along with Alaskan God. So there's that. You've got to look at that form line. You had Pride of Jenny, who led up Amelia's dual race last at Flemington. Uh, faded a little bit, but has got a good second-up record. Is drawn nicely to lead at a track it's probably better suited at rather than Flemington. You've then got Sione there, who's coming off four wins, but the horse seems to be up for a, for a decent period of time. Um, and it probably hasn't been beating much. So it leaves me to the horse, the other horse that I think is something that we need to consider and probably a horse that I'd be putting a saver on in your quaddies or if you're going to launch into the dollar thirty-five 
than Amelia's Julie's. Now, I would highly recommend not taking those odds, but I know plenty of guys like to multi up and, and put her as the banker. Yeah. So yeah. I really like Papal and Club. Now, that okay. was the one we spoke about and we put in the black book. Yeah, that's right. Now, in, in the black book notes that we put in there, we said was really good eight to six hundred eight hundred to six hundred meter sectional. Then he had a flat spot because it was kind of trailing Amelia's Jewel in that run, and then Amelia's Jewel just took off. And then you watch the the race again in that last two hundred meters, the horse just accelerates again to I think it nabs six seventh. place or seventh place in that race. Seven <coughs> Excuse lengths, me. Three three yeah. point two lengths off Amelia's Jewel. Yeah. Now, I really love the fact that it's drawn barrier five, so I think it can sit a lot handier and run. I love that it's been stepped up to the mile, and we've got one of the best track walkers in Craig Williams on board. And he's hungry now. He's one of those jockeys, which I love. He's copped all that criticism for the giga kick stuff. And isn't he just riding like an absolute champion now? Yeah. Last time it, this horse raced at the Valley to it, pissed it in over 1,600 metres. You've nailed it. So I think at fifteen dollars and two seventy, that is a fantastic play, particularly for the fact that I'm just, I just like, don't get me wrong, I'm not laying Amelia's jewel because I think she's a freak. It's just of a matter of price perspective, and I just think a barrier ten Mooney Valley on a fast night, she's vulnerable, and that's my thing. And I think Papillon Club is drawn really nicely to sit just behind Deny Knowledge and Pride of Jenny. I hope those two absolutely cook themselves. Papillon Club's just there to hit the gap. And I think, hopefully, it's just too big a gap for Amelia's Jewel to, to close. And again, Amelia's Jewel might be a freak, come down the outside rails, and we're getting three bucks in place. Yeah. I'm yeah. I mean, I'm not um I'm not gonna leave I'm not gonna leave Amelia's Jewel out of the quaddy, but mm. I definitely won't be back here. You say you are or aren't? No, I'm not. I'm not. Wait, I I'd honestly be just going eight and ten. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd if the field was better, I would really consider it. But I can, I see that I can see that they're probably they're bringing her here because, like you said, they they've got their eyes on the Cox Plate, so they need to get a, some experience around the track. Correct. Um, I just don't. I don't like her there. I really don't. But she should she should be too good for these things, really. But in dollar thirty five. On, on paper, she's she's a group one weight for age horse in Australia. And none <coughs> excuse me, none of the other horses are. But I think she's vulnerable with the way this setup is. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, you can't take the dollar thirty five and anything. I wouldn't even put it in multis, like I'd just no. I'd just I think have a little play on something else. Papillon. On the other hand, if I see a drift to 220, I'll get on 220. Yeah, yeah. but that's not going to happen, right? If you're getting if you're getting two bucks about Amelia's, you'll take it. But I highly, highly doubt the fact that she opened a dollar forty-five. She's got the most ridiculous SP profile in Australia at the present moment. Probably, we're not going to get above dollar fifty. I don't think. No, no way. Hopefully, Papillon Club uh, drifts a little bit for us, or something like that. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, your big syndicates just start trucking in 20 and 50K bets on her at $1.35. We get out to, what, 20s and 4s, and I think it's a really good bet. Honestly, I'm probably going to be playing probably, like, my unit staking. I'm probably going to have a quarter unit on Papillon Club to win and then four and then one whole unit, so four times on at the place in this race. Okay, nice. 
Now, race seven. Now, here we go. What are your thoughts? Get your thoughts first. Uh, first thought is um, why does the Inferno keep getting the call up to these sort of races? <laughs> <laughs> He's actually competed in them before when he was actually in form. I think he's way past it now. Yeah. I backed him a whole bunch back a few, like over the years. Um, I think um, we backed him. What was the race? We backed him in some sort of country race. Oh. Remember? And yeah. who was that? Um, who was that buddy horse that we can never catch? Front page. Remember front page one? Oh, yeah. I feel like um, I've, I've wasted heaps of money on him after he had some big finishes on him. Um, a while ago, and then he's just never Ooh. really performed. Yeah, that kind of one, maybe two preps where he was an absolute like psycho, and then he hasn't done anything since. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's there. Um, other thoughts? Well, look, 1,000 metres around the valley. Oh, I think I really like the look of Asfura. Um, yeah. I really, really like the look of him in that last race. I know he didn't beat a whole lot, but I just think he did it in like first gear, and he looked, he looked like he came. He's come back so well in Paratroopers. That was the most impressive run I've seen in a while. Last start, yeah. Zoo style. Um, can it? Is it a bit of a threat over a thousand meters here at the valley? I feel, Zoo style's a bit of a squib. Now, what I mean by squib is he just goes, runs fast. Yeah, pretty much. Of it. I feel like Rothfire's got him covered. Yeah. And he's going to have a lot more pressure there because you can see Acromantula, Generation Zoo style, they're probably looking your likely leaders with potentially um, Rothy kicking up from Barrier 1 and doing the same thing depending on how the track pattern is. Shin's a very good rider of, of, of horses according to the track. And then you've probably got Uncommon James sitting just behind the speed with Aspora and then you've got Imperatriz out the back with the Inferno. Yeah, I think um, to me it's pretty much between the two uh, bottom weights, um, but I but uncommon uncommon Jane's I really like the look of too. I love Rothfire as well, and you can't deny him. But I just think um, I don't know. I I don't know if he'll get. Oh, he could. I'm look. I wouldn't rule Rothfire out either. What am I saying? It's a tough race, isn't it? Like yeah. when you look at it more. And the other thing you got to consider is Imperatrix. <laughs> History suggests that her best figures are over 1,400 metres to a mile. Mm. So you're looking at this, she kicked off her prep amazingly, not getting, not questioning that. But is she going to be, is she still going to have the freshness in her legs to run 1,000 metres or is she asking or, or wanting 1,200 metres now? And that's my concerns, is whether she can reproduce that figure that she had first up when her legs were a lot more fresher than what she is. Look, if you had to... I, I couldn't go against her after that well, last that, run. I just think if you had to... If you had to, if I had to bet on anything else in this race, I'd probably bet on a Sephora. Well, that's the thing that we've got to think about. I don't think you could... It's not one of those simple, I'm going to lay you imperatrice type situations, mm. but it's certainly something that I'm considering when I look at it and going... I think she's more vulnerable here now than when she was first up, even though the distance is the same. I feel like this field is a lot better than what she, she faced last time. Yes, she's still got Rothfire, Zoo Style and Acromantula in there, 
But I think the addition of Aspora and Uncommon James, who are probably those kind of B-grade sprinters, B-grade group one sprinters here in Australia, I think the pressure and the ability of those two horses adds another dimension to this race. Yeah. And adding the fact where we know where she's going to be in run, she's going to be out the back, and whether or not she can loop this field and chase home a horse like Asphora or Uncommon James, who are going to be ahead of her in the run, who are more suited to a 1,000 metres than she is right now. I don't know. I've got question marks over it. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's interesting. So what would you play in the quaddy? So in quaddy, I'd be just going three eight, three seven eight. Mm-hmm. If it's really on pace bias, chuck in Rothfire. Yeah, okay. Because I think Blake Sheen will kick him up from barrier one and try and lead. Um, Zoo style will be very, very quick though. Yeah, I just, I can't get over how how she put them away over a thousand metres last start in Peritres though. It, it honestly, it was enormous. I, I completely can see that. Hence why she's not a, a lay prospect at all. It's just how Dude, she's like... always gone about her business into a prep. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm really excited for the race, though. Yeah. Yeah, I completely get you. Um, all right, so race eight. Now, race eight, I thought I'd just chuck this in there and talk about it purely for the fact that it's a very, very tough race to assess. So have a look. There's quite a few decent horses in the field. Skirt the law, I don't think, is as good as the – I think it's a false favourite. Yeah, it was disappointing last start. I thought it was as well. She's Unlucky all first start, I thought. Disappointing last start. She's all shenanigans had it covered. And she's all shenanigans actually draws better than it this time around in Barrier 1. Mm-hmm. You've then got, excuse me, Inhibitions, who's coming out some, who's got Charmstone form. Charmstone started well in the market in the Golden Rose. Didn't perform, but still did well. Like We've got to remember she was a filly against the, the Colts. So you've got to consider that. I don't think Cigar Flick's all that good. You've then got Zurion, who's the unbeaten horse. Beware of the unbeaten horse and from New Zealand. Has won a group two over this distance before. You've then got Bossy Nick, who won a group two down the Flemington Strait, uh, resuming. Uh, Sicilian's definitely a horse. Lazago can win, particularly with um, with Craig Williams on board. So if you're looking at it from a quality perspective, I'd be going 2, 3, 5, 10, 11. Two, three, five, ten, eleven. Yeah. All right. Nice. What about race five? You want to just quickly do a quaddy leg? Yeah, we can. We can do some touch on race five. So, um, this is the Stut Stakes. So it's a mile for the boys. Um, Griff was very, very good in that race down the straight there. Um, Mark Zara obviously rode him in that race. Uh, he's been racing in some elite company. Um. It's kind of a hard race to assess just because of the valley. A lot of these horses are coming from other tracks. Um, what do you think? Do you see any horses that tickle your fancy? Uh, not really, man. I think it looks like a really hard race to pick. Obviously, Griff stands out, um, but the rest of them, not at all, man, to be honest. So if you're looking at it from a quality perspective, I'd probably be chucking in. Let's go through these numbers. Griff, Chuck Griffin. I don't know, I'll just get these running numbers so it's easier for me to find. Probably Chuck Griffin. I chuck Fist of Fury in. Chuck Mohabe Desert in. 
king of fighters. Oh, sorry, I'll give you numbers. One, two, four, six, eight. Um, and maybe probably Autumn Angel. I don't trust Peter Moody. Yeah. Like you want to hope something. It's, a, it's a really tough. It's a tough leg to kick things off just because you've got a lot of different form ones coming in, and I don't. I don't like the race. I find it hard to assess. No, to be honest, that leg kind of fucks the quaddie. To be it honest, does. because you've got potentially two dollar to you know might like shorter than a dollar eighty odd winner's going to win in the middle here. Yep. And then you're potentially going to get something like lower than six or seven bucks in the last leg too. Yeah, it's it's really tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's not great. Like if you're looking at it from a value pers- like a value perspective with your quaddy, you're not going to get much on on Friday night, no. unless of course you're willing to to not consider Emily's jewel and Peritra's in your numbers. And you might as well just do that if you're going to play the quaddy, I reckon. I almost feel like there's no point playing the quaddy if you're going to take both of them to win. Cause you're going if to you're going to take both, definitely. If you're going to consider maybe standing out one but laying the other in your quaddy, then yeah. maybe there might be a better option You've, you've definitely got to lay one in the quaddy, I reckon. If it was my selection, if I was laying one in the quaddy, Imperatrice would be mine to lay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Tough one. Anyway, yeah. um, so should we go to Saturday? Let's go to Saturday. So we're only going to touch on the one meet there on Saturday. Um, I haven't found, I haven't even looked at the Eagle Farm card, unfortunately, but I did almost do the entire card at Randwick outside of race four. So you've got a fair bit to talk about. All right. So race one. Well, let's go. Minimal rainfall expected over the coming days. Great for grand finals again. Great for racing. Rails in true position. Randwick being Randwick. Um, I'm, I'm expecting good racing. No biases or anything like that. Very good. Now, uh, this first race, State of America. Yeah, so that's a horse. I think you or we've all three of us, I'm not sure if Dano's been on it. We've been on it pretty much every start. I think it's a really good horse. I think it's better than midway grade. You go back and watch its run last start at Canterbury over the 1900. It was a moral beaten. I think it should. I think it's just going to win this race. Pretty simple. Ooh. Four dollars you can get for it at the moment. Yeah, it's got Zach Lloyd on board, um, arguably the form jockey of the of of Sydney, better than Jay McEnroe, and probably on par with Nash. I think the horse is drawn really nicely to sit behind the speed. I just think it, it's just a better horse than everything in this race. All right, nice. I like that. Nice price. Now race two. Now this is so race two and three. Uh, the unraced two-year-olds or the early season two-year-olds. So what you'll see is a lot of, excuse me, golden slipper markets start to to come to the fore with these. So these are your horses that we're probably going to see running around next year in that golden slipper, or a lot of them anyway. So as you can see, they're all untried. They've all just had their most recent trials only a couple of weeks ago. So I've gone back and watched nearly every single trial of the of every horse. Oh, shit. What have you got for us? All right, so the, let's touch on the Gimrack first. So this is a 1,000-metre race for the Phillies. So it's all your, obviously, your girls. Um, traditionally won by some good horses. I think the most notable one in recent time has been Cool and Gatter. 
she's obviously gone on to be an, an elite sprinter here in Australia, elite thousand meter horse. So she won this race, I think, three years ago or two years ago now, with Platinum G. Uh, yeah, two years ago now. So it's obviously, like I said, it's a traditional lead-up race for those early season two-year-olds. So the ones that feel that have developed well and and are probably ready for racing. So I think we'll just touch on all of them in market order, and I'll just give you my opinion of all of these. Now, I'm just going to put a little like disclaimer up. Please don't launch into any of these despite my comments. All right, these are all unraced two-year-olds. You've got trainers who love to show off their two-year-olds and kind of assert their dominance, i.e. Gaby Waterhouse and, and Adrian Bott. And then you've got other trainers who try and hide their horses and just get them to run around like your Snowdens. So treat these with these are just my opinions of how well the, the trials were. And I'll give you my guns and my head bets, but I wouldn't be putting any big wages on any of these races. All right, I'm ready to load. Go. <laughs> so, Lady Lady Camelot. So, I think the big thing you've got to look at is I think the pricing is wrong in this race, and I'll tell you why. Lady Camelot was was a really really good trial. I didn't mind it. It led up the race. Um, it was the second fastest trial for the Phillies on the day when it did run. You're going to be paying a JMAC tax, obviously, and it's actually the half sister to Platinum Jubilee, who won this race last year. Okay. All right. So the horse was fine. Like the trial was really nice, and like I said, it was the fastest trial. But she was asked to do a bit. You've then got Lady Tassort, who's also out of the the Gaybot, um, I guess stable. You've obviously got Regan Bayless versus JMAC, so you can see who the the stable fancy more in this race. Um, Again, quite professional in how she went about things in her trial. She did all the right things in it and was actually 0.4 of a length quicker than Lady Camelot's trial. So, again, not much to take from it. It brings me to Invincible Madison, who was probably, for my opinion, with Erno's Cube as the two most impressive Philly trials. Now, Invincible Madison sat behind the leaders and finished off so nicely down the outside. I think she's a better betting prospect than the first two, and I'd be likely to bet on her over them because I think they're both going to roll forward from their barriers. They may chop each other out or do each other's heads in. And the way that Invincible Madison kind of managed to, to come to the outside without any sort of issue and hit the line in, the, in a really nice manner. So I really like that horse. Um, Ernos Cube was another really nice trial. She sat outside the lead. She cruised up. Outside of Jeringong, who's another horse that is a two-year-old. It's not in any of these races. And then she was hardly ridden. She went to the line really nicely. Now, John Allen actually flew up from Melbourne to ride her in that trial, which was interesting. Okay. Um, Celestial Bling, she didn't blow me away. I think I'm more fancy by other horses. Um, Totoka, pretty good at those odds. And as you can see, she's been met with a bit of market support, $34 into 18 um, she was in that Celestial Bling trial, and I thought she was a lot better. Okay. So gun to my head, not a launch. Convincible Madison with a small play on Erno's cube. All right. I like that. Now, race three. So race three is the Arrowfield Breeders' Place, so another 1,000-meter race. Now, this is for the boys. See so Colts and Geldings. Now, you're not going to see many Geldings in this race because – we want to get everyone's trying to get for a stud deal following the um following the slip up. So this race is a little bit more challenging for me to assess because 
there was a hell of a lot of good trials out of the boys. Now, Scampi was probably the most impressive trial visually. And as you can see in the odds, that's reflected there. So the horse, um, it was really hot trial, did all the right things, very professional, just drawn really nicely to sit on the speed. And I think you can see why he's a dollar eighty. Yeah. Now volatile was also very, very impressive. Gets J Mac. Now the horse um was sitting just behind the speed, um, or sorry, out the back more, keeled out to the outside, and just with a couple of cracks of the whip, accelerated enormously. Like it was phenomenal to watch for a two-year-old to do what it did. Um, it gapped them back, um, back to second. And it's got J-Mac on board, and we know what the Snowdens can do with a two-year-old. Now, I do apologise for my voice. I feel like it's getting more croaky. <laughs> no, you're fine. Go on. Yeah. Um, straight charge was the fastest troll of all the two-year-olds in the morning, so I think he's probably the more fancy of the Gaybot runners. Now, Fearless was another horse that I love the trial of. Again, another one that's been met with some market sport, 21s into 16s. Um Frost, who's down in the market at about 41s, kicked off um, probably about the 400-metre mark in the trial and took put a big gap on the rest of them. Now, Fearless was given a bit, bit of a rev up and absolutely rocketed to the line. So what I love about that is it's a two-year-old who chases the line. So I think that horse is a really, really good chance in this race. Um, Espionage, Bodyguard, they trialled together. It was a nice trial. They kind of battled with each other. Didn't really give me anything. Uh, Prost, as I spoke about, was 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 not as good as Fearless. Now, the horse that that you want to keep an eye on is this counter-offensive. Now, it's $101 into $61. It's yeah. got Joe Moreira on board. Now, I think the horse is a complete lunatic. It's doing a lot of things wrong, but I think it's got a really good ability. Oh, 61. So, bets, none. Gun to my head, I think Volatile win this race with Scampi and Fearless in second and third, and I think you'll see counter-offensive finishing off nicely. So you could probably play a small little play on those four as your box first four. Okay, nice. Now we're skipping race four, and we're going race five. So race five. So you see a bit of a favour of ours in Tom Kitten in this race. Yeah, nice. Back to some familiar faces, yeah, some, if you will. Some familiar horses, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't understand the discrepancy in the market between Tom Kitten and Cal- uh, Cafe Millennium. So both of them went to the line together behind NCAP, who obviously subsequently came out and really performed well in that golden rose. But why is Tom Kitten 225 and Cafe Millennium seven bucks? Interesting. Um, I guess pushy. maybe the win it's got on it uh, a couple of races maybe. before. Maybe that might be. I think Cafe Millennium's more a uh, a 2,000-metre horse heading towards, say, a spring champion and maybe even a derby. I don't know. Um, interesting, though. Like, it's um, – I'm, I'm, I'm not suspicious, but the odds are quite different considering the guys probably in that run behind NCAP cops and very similar sectionals. Yeah. You then go to Pushy, who comes out of provincial grade, much different form lines, but did go to Newcastle in a BM68 against open-class horses – and one by four lengths. Yeah. Now, the horse that I really like in this race is Raff Attack. Okay. So the Raff Attack was in that race that was um, – he was actually just slightly beaten by 
Cafe Millennium and Tom Kitten. Now, he led up that race really nicely. He's won over the 15.50 before, so I don't think the mile is going to be a bit of an issue for him. Um, he's got Regan on, and he looks the only notable leader in this race. Mm. Now, I did look at the weather report, a wind report. Now, we're going to be getting some northeasterlies on Saturday. So what that can happen with the northeasterly can be quite challenging on a leader. So just keep an eye on those things. And if you're seeing that no leaders are kicking on or still doing well, then obviously avoid this race. But I think Raff Attack is going to be up in the front. I think he's going to give it a good kick. And I think at 310 a place, I think he's a really good bet. Okay, lovely. Love that. Did you Raff Attack, Gaybot? Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, is that it for that race? That's it for that race. All right, race six, Dali flight stakes. Yeah, so the first of the group one's on the card. Now, this is the final leg of that Princess Series, which we spoke about. So I look at this field and I literally just shoulder arms because I just, I struggle. She's at um, Tiz Invincible's flying though. <laughs> Isn't she? Like, I thought she was good in the in the first leg of the, uh, what's the, um, yeah, the T-Rose, I can't remember the first leg. Either way, I thought she was really good over 1,200. I then didn't think she'd see out 1,400, and she did that enormously. So it wouldn't surprise me to see that she's going to see them off. The only tricky thing I have for her is her barrier. Yeah. She's been blessed with barriers the last two legs of this race, and I think the barrier 13, that's a questionable one because I don't think she <laughs> – sorry, guys. I don't think she can sit as handy as she has been in previous runs. Okay. And what she's, again, another horse that I thought would finally get out to the trip that she wants. I thought she'd be more effective over the 1,400 metres. Obviously, Tiz Invincible had her measure of quite comfortably. Um, I think she'll appreciate the 1,600 metres since she's drawn really nicely. It's just a matter of whether she gets too far back, which is the worry. Uh, Tropical Squall, I thought she was really, really good in that. T-Rose looks one of the only notable leaders on paper, but I, I, uh, I know she's by prized icon. So if you're looking at her breeding, I think she's got a good chance of running the trip eventually in time, whether or not it's come too quickly at only her fourth start. Let's wait and see. Okay. Molly, now Molly Nickers brings the different form lines. Now she's not coming out of this princess series. She's just, she's coming up from Melbourne. So she was one and a half lengths off Charmstone last start. So that's an interesting. She was fifth elect in there. So I think she's done about eight fifty nine bucks in that race. Now again, Charmstone's gone to a Golden Rose, competed with all of the big colts, started firm in the market. So obviously the big punters are having. I've got a good uh, good look on her, and they think they've got a good opinion of her. But Molly Nickers was really good. I think she's heading in the right direction towards a thousand guineas. Um, and then you go back and watch. So she ran fourth in that race last start behind Charmstone with Sonic Boom running second or third. Now that horse came out and run really well in that Jim Maloney after running up into interference. So you could probably suggest that the form lines stack up. Barrier one, bit, bit, I'm a bit iffy. Jamie Caron obviously is a positive for being an elite jockey. Yep. And then the next three horses are the ones that I probably would want to have a bit on because they're all a decent odds. And these are the ones that I think will all get the trip over the mile. So you've got Unique Ambition, 
who I thought was very unlucky in the T rows, <clears throat> loses Chad Schofield, which I find quite interesting, but gains J Mac. Yeah. Um, French Endeavour was finishing off really nicely also in that T rows, and I think we'll appreciate finally getting out to 1600 metres. And Tuta Levita gets the biggest jockey upgrade you could think of in Sydney. Loses K Mac, gains Joe Marrera. Yeah, right. I would have thought, I honestly would have thought myself, if it wasn't mm-hmm. the outside barrier, Tizenvin, they were being uh, generous with Tis Invincible at 270. Yeah, you reckon? And again, it's a matter of opinions. Like, I shouldered arms to this race. I found it incredibly hard. Yeah, look, the barrier uh, takes away a bit of my confidence, be it false or whatnot, but I... um. I just think it's got, I don't know. I just think it's, it's had them covered in the last two. I don't see why I can't do it again. I agree. Like, I, I, can't, I can't question that. I think if you're looking at it from me, if I had to bet in the race, I'd have a couple of small wages on Unique Ambition, French Endeavour, and Tudor Levita. Yeah, yeah. So that sure. would be it. Because I just think 270 is too short for a horse that I'm not sure is going to run a strong mile from a wide barrier. Yep. Yep, for sure. Uh, now we go to race seven, the first leg of the quaddy. Easy standout number two. Moving oh, on. Oh, look, he's back. Here he is. He's back. Now he's, I think he's first or Father's second Father's favourite son. Here he is. Now how is he 215? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't get it. Like, you go back around, so he's just a freak of a horse. He arguably should be undefeated. He's won over 1,200 metres. He's got a great first up record. He's trialled like an absolute rocket. He's drawn barrier two. He's a versatile horse. He can sit handy or he can take a sit. How do they beat him? And this is his main lead-up run into the Everest, where he starts second favourite behind I Wish I Win. Yeah, I don't think they I don't think they beat him. I can't stop thinking about that Stradbroke win. God, that was fucking Wasn't that good? Amazing. I remember that. I was in I was in Rome Airport when it was on. I managed to connect to my wife's Wi-Fi because she had a roaming and it didn't pick up um, that I was in another country because we were roaming. Yeah. So I could stream tab on it and I was watching the race. Yeah. And I just watching watching him just rocket through the line like, God, it was horny. But yeah. um, Bella's a great horse. I'm not questioning that. But I just don't think she's thinking about it level. Zapateo, all right, first up. <laughs> Excuse me. So far, Hawaii Five O's looking for fourteen hundred a mile. Mazu was all right first up, but again, his grand finals the Everest in two weeks' time. So I don't think they're going to be going a gut buster for him. He's guaranteed a slot. Alcohol free, I think, is overrated. Lost and running's gone. Remarks at eleven hundred meter horse. Etheric not so good, and Cody's way out of its depth. Yeah, he's just immoral. Put number two in your quaddy. Moving on, easy. Yeah, and um. Look, if he's come back any better, like, it would be interesting to see if he's come back better. This prep, uh, he's going unbeatable. Sorry again for those coffins. Go back and watch those trials. So just hop on racing, NewSouthWales.com.au, type in, think about it, and then you can press on the horse and watch the trials. He was out the back in both, and he just idled up outside of them and just won with ease. Yeah. I think he's a great bet. And if you can get anything above 220, Five units on, move it on, and put it all onto something else that we can think about next day and the next races. Yeah. Okay, lovely. So this is a 
Interesting little one, race eight. Tabit, the so Epsom. So this is the Epsom. So it's unfortunately the Pericles was scratched, um, but I understand why. So it's, I think there's only five winning chances. Well, technically four with one dubious one, but I'm going to put it in just because of its stats. So I think there's the four winning chances that I think are is the inevitable, Hope in Your Heart, Redina, and My Oberon. Yeah, and okay. I think the dubious one for me is Kovalika. Yeah. Um, do you think Demography Manifest could possibly run a good race? I think it, I think it could, but it's going to need a bit of luck from Barrier 1 with its racing pattern. Yeah, true. <clears throat> 51 kilos, yeah. I think if you're looking at it from a quaddy perspective, put the horse in just in case, but I don't want to have a bet on it. Yep. Yep. Fair. Now, you didn't say Nugget? No. Right. I was pretty impressed with him uh, last prep. He had a long prep last prep, didn't he? Have you seen his barrier and who's riding it? Hang on, I'm just looking now. Um, yeah, yeah, true. That is a damn shame. So, yeah, he's good, horse, man. He's a good horse. Himself, good jockey. I'd be going for all for it, but I don't think it's in it with that setup. Yeah, Kovalika, not a bad price for that. So, Kovalika is the one that I'm questioning now. Two from two second up, three from three at the distance. It had a nice tick over trial there with Joe Moreira on board on the 22nd of September. But you go back, is he a 2,000-meter horse, 2,400-meter horse? He's, I don't think he's a miler. Now, you go back and look, and yes, yes, it's three from three at the distance. But go back and have a look at the horses that he beat over the mile. Nothing. Nothies. Yeah. They're handicapped horses. So I have concerns about that. Yes, he gets in with a lightweight. I didn't really like his first up run. I think it was only sound. Um, I just think those stats, though, scare me a little bit. And it is Waller. He loves winning an Epsom, and he's got Joe Moreira on board. Yeah, this is a this is a good race. Good leg of the quaddy. What are you thinking? So we'll touch on market order. So the inevitable, now, without blowing my own horn, I've got a $26 ticket on the inevitable. So I'll be cheering it home hard. Okay. Um, was Tassie awesome horse. First. What was that? Sorry. It's a Tassie horse. Yeah, Tassie horse. So they brought up um, David Pyres, Pyres, Pyres. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, to ride the horse. So he's the regular rider that's rode it for pretty much all of its starts outside the one just gone. Um, he was enormous first up in that Theo Marks over the thirteen hundred. He had the best of the day figures six four two hundred meters of the day. Um. He came within 0.9 of a length of Mr. Brightside in the All-Star Mile last prep. That's If that's not elite form lines, what is? Sure. Um, he's got a, six starts for three wins, a second and a third at the mile. He's seven starts, four wins and a second, second up record. Um, I think he's a great bet. I think he's a great horse. And I think he's very much in this race to win it. Yeah, I think... Um... At six fifty, that is a sensational price. Yeah. Um, my, I just wish hope in the heart wasn't in it because I feel like I've got a back hope in your heart. Hard after that last run. Well, to be honest, you can back both and get a make a profit on the race. Six fifty, yeah. seven fifty, abusive prices. So, hope in your heart. I thought, like you and I said when we did our review, was quite it was quite a poor ride from Schiller last start. Didn't kind of navigate. <coughs> excuse me again. Navigate the field very well. But she rocketed through the line, loves the mile, gets Craig on board, drops one kilo from it, loves the distance, loves the track, 
has drawn quite nicely to stay out of that kind of bunch finishes. If she's not going to get caught on the rails like she did last start, she's a great chance as well. Yep. Indeed. Now, what was that? I said indeed. Um, Redina now have only one negative of Redina. Kath's on. No offence to Kath, but she's just not that great a rider in these big race meets. Her decisions aren't great. Um, Horse was enormous first up in that group three, Bill Ritchie. Didn't beat a great deal, but did beat Converge, who's actually the same odds as it. Um, I just think it's a a good horse. 50 kilos it's carrying. Yeah. Hard to ignore that. Yeah. And then the last one that I would put in my quaddy is my Oberon. Now, Barnes would kill me if I didn't put him in as well. Um, He's been doing really well with this prep without actually winning. He's been clocking some really, really elite late sectionals. He finally gets to the mile, which is what he's after. Um, ideally, we'd love some sting out of the ground, but I think he's still proven to us that he can run on a good deck. And you go back and look at his last start. He's crossed the line with Fangirl with only Zaki and Thinker over beating him in the seven stakes. Like, is that the best form line leading up to this race? Probably, yeah. He's 21 bucks. Yes, he's Barry 18, but he's probably going to go out the back anyway. 21 bucks and six bucks a place. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have him in there. Do you think, uh, yeah. do you think it's weird that, uh, well, not weird, but J Max on going global out of the Waller runners, which is the highest paying one in the market out of all of them. Right. You'll laugh at that. So what Barry is going global got on? 12. Yeah. So a normal barrier. What barriers are all the other Waller runners? Seven for Kovalika. What do you got? J-Mac, 16. J-Mac, one. So you've got a length. So some of the horses, J-Mac won't be able to ride that weight. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're but right. also watch. So you look, have a look at the field. So you're looking at the barriers there. Political bait, debate, likely not to make the field being bad. Um, you need two scratching or two more. Oh, actually, it might make the field if there's one more scratching. Barrier 22, wallet will scratch it. Madame Pomery, Barry 16, likely to scratch. Alencia, probably scratch. He just doesn't like horses running. Waterford, likely to scratch. Yeah, so it wouldn't okay. surprise me to see one, two, three, or all of them be scratched because of the wide barriers. It's typical Waller. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right, though. J-Mac's not running 50, is he? No. Nah. All right. Okay. Uh, did you want to keep going on that race? or? No, nah, well, I think... I don't want to have a bet in the race because I think it's, I've already got my ticket on on the inevitable. Yeah. But I may put some savers on, hope in your heart, Retina and my Oberon. Just small little bets just to win back my um, my staking. Yeah. So it's nothing nothing big. But numbers for the quaddy for me, 13817. Okay, great. Now, I'd, right. Yeah, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say so. And we've just got number two in race seven for us in the quaddy. Yeah, of course. Now, race nine, James Squire, Metropolitan. Yeah. Now, I want to get your thoughts here. What do you reckon? So you've got a dollar sixty-five favourite, carrying yep. fifty kilos, winning all the lead-up races. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm not gonna. I wouldn't be standing it out. I wouldn't even be including it, and it's this is a huge call. I don't honestly like just. On first glance, I'd be happy to lay it too. And especially thinking about the quaddy, like there is no point hitting this quaddy 
if you're going to have a dollar sixty-five winner in there. Correct. So I think there's two narratives that you can take in this race. The first narrative, just fine, just wins. All right. It's drawn barrier two. It's drawn to sit just off the speed, and it's just going to peel away like it's done the last two starts and just win. Yeah. Yeah. Or you look back through its form in Europe and you see that it's zero and three over 2,000 metres plus, and you bet around it. Interesting. So the horse has failed once it's gone beyond 2,000 metres. Very so that, interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> so that brings me to the horses that I'm going to be putting in my quaddy and I won't be having just fine in mine. Yeah, good. Me either. What are we doing? Um, so There's number always... 17 seconds. What was that? No. Yeah. <laughs> Man's always come on. We'll tuck him in because he gets Michael D again. Yeah, he's and, going. And he, fin- and he finally gets to a trip. Now, he was pretty poor last start, but he gets to 2,400 metres and he gets deep. I can't not put him in, so I have to put him in just for old time's sake. But the horse that I'm re- – there's two horses that I'm really liking. The first one is Mr. Waterfall. Now, you can see it's $13 into eight fifty, so it certainly has been met with some market support. Now – the horse, this horse is a stayer on the quick backup. Now, we've spoken about stayers on the quick backup before, haven't we? Yeah. Now, it drops eight kilos off its start a week ago. Um, His run was really good. And you look at him, he was kind of like dawdling, dawdling, dawdling. And then that last kind of four to 300 metres, he absolutely accelerates to the line. So that's a really good thing. Now, the horse overseas has won up to 3,400 metres. Okay. So one thing we know is he's going to get the trip. Two, he's a stayer on the quick backup. And three, he's carrying 50 kilos from barrier nine. Interesting. And Tyler Schiller's still in form. He's one of the best jockeys there in in Sydney. Huge. You then got Benno. So Benno comes out of that race. I thought he was enormous last start. He finished off really nicely. He drops three and a half kilos. He's hard fit. You know he's going to get the trip. Carries 51 and a half kilos. Got car on board. She's been riding And car well. on board. She's back. She's back. So you got that. You got Major Bill there. Now, I thought Major Bill was, he comes out of that Kingston Town race, which was won by Just Fine. Um, I think he had every chance in the race. Uh, I thought Benno, Protagonist, and Skylab all finished over the top of him, all much better. Now, we've got Benno here, who's, Roughly the same price in the market, stepping up in trip, dropping down in weight. So really, you could probably make a case that it's not a chance. Um, Calipore's got KMAC. Alabir's been running around. He's doing all right, but I don't think he's up to this. Cleveland's a bit of a concerning horse. I think he'll get the trip. Does get Oliver. Future history's up from Sydney. Um, sorry, from, from Victoria, up in grade. Like I, I'm just going through all these horses and I just don't think they're going to run the trip. So me, personally, my quaddy, just 12 and 17. Wow. And man's always, just for, for old time's sake. Really? Yeah, pretty simple. I think Just Fine's not going to see out the trip and I think it'll be wanting late. Wow, that's huge. That'd be huge if we could pull that off. Um, Mate, we did. We make bold, we make bold calls on this on this podcast. We do. and they And they've been coming off. Yeah, they have. Actually, we've been pretty good with our bold calls. What was that? We've laid a lot of short favourites recently. Yeah, we have. Now, next race, race 10. 
So race 10. So if we've got this far in the quaddy, I want to go relatively wide in this race. Shelby 66. Accept that horse. 201. Okay. Now, there's a lot of angles that we can have in this race. So we put Cabao in the black book after its last start. I thought it was a really tough on-pace win. It's 210 now, whether or not you want to take that. Um, Does love the track, does love the trip. Recommendation comes up from Victoria. Now, it does bring decent Victorian form. It's got a five five start for three wins, a second and a third at the tra- um, at the distance. Um, gets John Allen. Concern is the Barry and what they do with it. Are they going to roll forward and kind of sit outside Cabal or are they going to take their medicine and, and drop back? Interesting. Ammon was very good first up, but the problem is, it was absolutely demolished by Red Card, and we know what Red Card did to us last weekend. Mm. Failed in in roughly the same grade. So can you trust the form lines? Um, extremely lucky. Now, does get Nash. I get that. Um, but it was touted as an Everest horse at the start of the prep, and I don't think it's really set the world on fire. Um, what it goes is an interesting horse. That's 20 bucks in the market. It's coming off a Mwoolambar Cup win over the 1550. So the drop back from 1550 to 1200 concerns me. And then the last horse that I want to put in the quaddy just because I'm doing it off potential rather than than probably my opinion as being a winning chance is Knight's Choice, the Queensland horse. Yeah, okay. So it had a huge boom on it. It won the, I think, the Sunshine Coast Guineas up here in Queensland. Yep. Um, there was touting from um, the the... Um, connections that it was going to be a Cox Plate horse, which I found was a bit ridiculous. But um, he's by Extreme Choice. They're a very good horse. The crop of, of Extreme Choice horses is very low because he's not super fertile, but the ones that he is producing are awesome. Um, the trial, the jump out was quite sound from the horse. It's just a matter of whether he's going to be wanting the mile to 2,000 metres and whether he's going to be fresh enough for 1,200 metres. Yeah, okay. So, so quality wise, you'd you'd want to go wide if we're gonna if you're gonna be following the way that I would be approaching this quaddy. Okay. So I'll just tell you my numbers, bear with me. So I'd be chucking in two, three, six, seven, eight, thirteen, and eighteen. Oh, lovely. I'm loving the look of that, Cordy. Yeah, it's it's bold, but let's let's see if it comes off. Yeah. All right, now let's go to Sunday to Sandown, and let's go to race six, the Sandown Stakes. All right. So race six, have a look at Sandown Stakes. Antino's in it. Dragon's tomorrow. Um, I don't think so. I do. What? What? Hey, what happened with it last start? So that was that ride, the very famous ride there at Flemington where Jimmy Orman, the horse jumped amazingly from the inside gate, um, had the lead with with no issue, and then Jimmy Orman pulled it back, let the other horses cross it, and then came into the straight and it was just running up bums the whole time. It absolutely rocketed through the line and was a moral beating, and he got a lot of flack for it and actually got booted off it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I think um, Hitter Shock loves it. Loves Sandown, doesn't he? He does. So 
how I look at this race is I think here the shock's going to win it. Um, sorry, lead this race. And I think Antino's just going to follow him wherever he goes. And I think when you're looking at it from like a turn of foot perspective, I think Antino's a much better horse than here to shock. And I think Antino needs to win this race to get into the Turak. Yeah, okay. All right, so dollar seventy five moral, you're saying? I think well, it's not really declaring a moral when it's dollar seventy five, but I think if you can get a two or two dollars or better about it, have a good bet on it. But um, if you're playing quaddy, just put one and three in there. I don't think the rest of the horses have a chance. Okay. All right, great. Now, next race, race seven. All right, so race seven. So we've got a black booker in this race. In Aberfeld, in Aberfeldy boy. Oh, right. All right, so I had a good look at this race, and I've, it's, it's quite a hard race to assess because you've got quite a lot of different form lines. Horses second up into a prep looking for longer. So we got to look at, like, Forgot You comes out of the, um, I think, what race was it? It came out of a, I can't remember. It came out of a race, and it, it performs soundly. Gets Blake Shin on board in Drawn Barry 6. <clears throat> Sabark, come, Sabark and Aberfeldy Boy come out of the Carini race that we were on. Yeah, that's right. As does let, Let's Roll the Dice, Fame, Macram, and Rye. I always struggle to pronounce this one. Ryzen, I think is how they pronounce or how they want it pronounced. Oh, yeah. And you've got Ain't No Deal Done coming out of the Carini um, race hey. again or the Carini Devoted race with that's Menable Run. Ryzen. Came, Vinny, what was that, sorry? Ryzen's trainer, Vincent Hall. It's my cousin, I'm pretty sure. You're kidding. Didn't know he was training, though. Wow. Well, yeah. He's it's got 151 it. pop. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen him training much? No. Don't even know his name. Yeah, he's, um, what's his name? Greg Hall's son. Wow, there you go. Yeah, I haven't seen him in ages. He's we'll get some insight. Get some insight on, on the 151 pop. <laughs> I'll find out if that's, that's de- it's got to be him. I'll find out. Yeah, do it, see. Yeah, cool. That's some juicy goss. I like that. All right, so so then we go back and say, ain't no deal done comes out of different form line there at, at um, Mooney Valley, but you can tie it in with the Carini form, which so it ran down the track against Carini, Devoted and Amenable. So you can kind of line it up when Aberfeldy Boy and Sabak were finishing quite closely to Carini, who was up in trip, down in weight. So you can probably put a pen through it. Um, Flashlight comes out of the Sulcum race. Now, Sulcum finished enormously over the top and then subsequently performed really well in that Underwood Stakes. So you probably can't put a pen through it, particularly with the lightweight and um, probably being the only notable leader in this race. Now, you can probably put a pen through Port Phillip, Timor, Supergirl, Kukaracha. I just don't think they're good enough and their odds suggest that. So, and I think if I'm looking at it, I think Aberfeldy Boy gets a one kilo weight swing on Sabak and I feel like Aberfeldy Boy had more improvement to come in that run. So I've narrowed this down to literally three horses, Forgot You, Flash Flood, and Aberfeldy Boy. So if that's where you're playing, Quaddy's put them in. And I want to have a bet on Aberfeldy Boy because I think it's drawn really nicely and I think it's going to be better second up, stepping up in trip. Okay. I like that. I'm happy with that as well. Yeah. Now, uh, before we go around the grounds, have you got anything for Friday? 
Of course. How would I not? Um, so this horse is going to be, I think, take the price now because I think it's only going to shorten. Yep. Um, Wyong race four, number three, Oakville Prince, and it's Thursday tomorrow, not Friday. Thursday, okay. Okay, okay. So what race did you say again, sorry? Um, race four, number three, Oakfield Prince. Oh, we were on him last start, weren't we? We were. So you go back and look at the form lines, okay? So black, <laughs> excuse me, it took Blackcomb an enormous run from Dylan Gimmons to knock off Oakfield Prince. There was a gap back to third, which was uh, what, five lengths back. So one would suggest the mile BM64, the figure that both Oakville Prince and Black Cone put up was much better than that grade. We're in this grade tomorrow. Now, this horse came within 0.2 of a length of Pushy. Now, Pushy's yeah. the third line of betting in the Tom Kitten race and undefeated. That's, that's, um, that's the form, isn't it? That's the form. You go look at the speed map of this. The, this is the only leader in this race. Nothing else leads it. All right, let's um So I think in my opinion this is a five unit play. That's the only bet for tomorrow. And then we can all roll it into having a bit of fun at Mooney Valley on Friday night. Yeah, that's the play. Love it. All right, mate. Well awesome. uh let's wrap it up and uh good luck on the weekend and uh we'll talk soon. Sounds good, mate. Take it easy. Bye.